This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello, Fright Schoolers. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you? I'm doing good. You're doing great. You're doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful as well. Why? Because we are joined in the West Craven Memorial Library by none other than Tiffany Tang. Hello. Hello, Tiffany. <laughs> T Tangly in the building. I had to do the operatic voice to match you guys. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we try to keep the energy up. You know what yeah, I mean? You like... know, musical theater energy. It's always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe? Yes. News, news, news. Oh, gosh. I'm out. I am outnumbered, y'all, today. You because, are. Uh, this, is, this is a first, I think, in Fright School history that we have a guest who is not a horror fan or horror expert in their own way. Oh like we've God. had with others. Like so. I try to avoid it at all costs. Like yeah. Like yes. kill me. Yeah. Yeah. This is so exciting. So it's like I our have enrollment two increases. This is a testament to how much I love you guys that I'm here. Yeah. It's going to be really difficult to uh, to keep this conversation on track. I feel I, I have been wanting to do a, um, an, a an episode like this where we have someone else on who is not a huge horror fan or, or not exactly because <laughs> i was just like because i feel that you know now that as my expertise grows it would help us to have like someone who is also seeing it for the first time yes and reacting uh, for the first time yes. and understanding for the first time and yes a lot yeah. of firsts we like it we like it um but so we're gonna uh, chat with uh, tiffany just sort of about her life and all uh for a little bit uh, well first we're gonna do our usual get caught up on the week see what everybody's been watching reading doing uh and then later uh next week tiffany will join us for a conversation about the norwegian horror film dead snow so uh very uh, exciting yes a, a norwegian cult classic apparently <laughs> apparently yes. so but uh, and we'll get to all the reasons why we chose that later as well I'm so really scared, you guys. Uh, <laughs> so, but really for nervous. now, yeah. What are people doing? What are we watching? What are we? Uh, what are we reading, Joe? Nothing. So, <laughs> yes. I, I famously you read some uh, subtitles today. So, hey, yes. Yeah, so, go you. One common uh, Tiffany may not know this, but one common misconception that people have about me is that I read a lot. <laughs> I don't read a lot. I watch a lot. But, hey, me as well. All these books are just for show. 
Uh, no, I don't believe <laughs> that's a bold-faced lie. There are a you lot know, of books well, in here, y'all. No, yeah, that's true. And I have read almost all of them. Uh, there's a few that, you know, are still on the reading pile. Because I'm one of those people, it's like, I just, I like to have books, you know, I buy them. And I'm like, I'm going to read them. They, they represent hope. Yes. You know? Yes. They're like, supposed I to represent time. Uh, they represent hope and they represent knowledge that yeah. you do not yet know. Exactly. So it's the acknowledgement that there's still things that you don't know. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, when Marie Kondo came out with her thing and I was like trying to get rid of my books and then I was like, you know what? No, my books are my artwork. People yeah. collect art. I collect books. This and is and what books I have are on my very walls. pretty. And, yes. Yeah. And it's, and the thing about Marie Kondo too, that what it says in her book specifically is that, you know, books represent your values. They represent the things that you value and the information and the knowledge that you want to bring forward with you. So, you know, what you keep with you, these are all, if they're important for different reasons, I mean, I keep a copy of the Bible. It doesn't mean that I fucking like read the Bible anymore, but it just represents that. It's like good to have a reference. It's good to have, it. you know, you know, if I, it's like, yeah. Oh, what asshole is saying that now? And they go and I'm Let like, me look, oh, that shit up. look that up. Yeah. Hey, I have several, I have several Bibles. Actually, it's funny because people who stay in our guest bedroom, that's where I put all the religious stuff I've collected. So, and it's all kinds of things. <laughs> Things. I've got, you know, Buddhist stuff and Hindu stuff. You have stuff like Shiva and, in there and Ganesh. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's a mix. It's all kinds of different cultures and the books that are all stored in there are the Bible and stuff of the Zohar and the Kabbalah. And they you come know, out in the morning and they're the like, Joshua, can we talk? Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's like people know, but then they stay in that room and they're like, hmm. Where are the skeletons? I don't understand. We need to get you like a Book of Mormon and like a couple watchtowers. And... I know, we need to like complete the I do, I have the a, setup. I have a, um, not a, not watchtowers, but they release some, the Jehovah's Witnesses release some books and one that I have, it's like bright red and it's like the book of Revelation from like the Jehovah's Witness perspective. It is fascinating and the illustrations in it are really incredible and scary and I've had it since I was a kid. They like knocked on the door and you know came into the whole thing. You're like, ooh, bedtime reading. Yeah, oh, I I find the book of Revelations really terrifying. (laughs) It's one of those things where I'm like, hey, you know, if like this earth splits open and you know these monsters crawl out of it, like I'm here to see that. I mean, I'll be have been wrong my whole life, and you know I'll be one of the condemned. But I'll be like, whoa, cool. This is, this is very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, angels <laughs> flying out of the sky. Um, you know, something I did want to say it's about a horror the, film. <laughs> precisely, the Book of Revelations is very horrific. Um, anyways, I, I did want to comment though on on the bookshelf right behind you that I did not do this intentionally. And <laughs> I was noticing I had some friends sitting there the other day. They came in to hang out. We were hanging out here playing uh, records and, and hanging out. And they look behind them and they're looking at all these books. And it's like Naomi Klein's The Shock Doctrine and, you know, all these like feminist books. It's all these like really political books that make me seem really smart. And they're like right at eye level. <laughs> Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks, which I have read that book many times. That's actually a really great book. I mean, book. Bell Hooks. Um, and actually, most of the books there are, are fantastic uh, political analysis books. But I realized I put them like right at eye level and that was not the intention. So it's not like the Stephen King that's right underneath it. Yes, Joan Didion. That's See, it's all the stuff that Joan makes Didion. me look really smart when people sit there. I'm They're like, like oh. This is the lady <laughs> yeah, you have like you have like your Foucault right next to like your Didion and yeah, you know, which are books I've read and I do appreciate. But I, I realize how like probably you know when people sit there they're like oh wow you know but it's like no those like, I love it it's those are the books behind you are like Nosferatu <laughs> and, right. Chuck and then it's all like the horror stuff is over here <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah if you if you just sit there you're like wow he's a very thoughtful person 
person. Like, and then you have your, um, what I'm going to call your like half a shelf of female comedians memoirs. So well, that's all like TV. And, that's all like TV and, yeah. and celebrity stuff. Yeah. 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 Which is not as much as the rest of the books. I mean, there's a lot of very smart people books here. Yes. <laughs> is that a DVD collection of Babylon five right there? Uh, that is, that belongs to the Sam Squanch. That is not mine. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just checking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to. Uh, I did. I didn't watch, but he. Uh, when we first moved here, like two years in, he and a bunch of our friends got together and watched like that entire series in the living room at the old house, you know, on Robinson. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was like, mm, I'm gonna leave y'all now. It provides some good balance for the library, though. I must. Yeah, say. yeah. No, it's nice to have. <laughs> Anyway, so podcasts what? are a visual medium, so you know yes. all our listeners are gonna. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so into this. Yeah. I feel like people think that they like we're actually in like a floor to ceiling vaulted library. Right. I hope though. I hope they do. You know, I, I hope to have that one day. As I'm far for as it. they know, we are. Yes, yeah. this yeah. is the Beauty and the Beast library, everyone. Right. Oh man, I'd like to have that library. I'm Jeez. actually on a rolling ladder right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so enough of my uh, pretentious book placement. Uh, and it was told. I mean, I really mean that was an accident. I just realized it the other day because people were commenting. You, this is I'm not like, pretentious. I know. This is normal. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, instead of books, what's what's on TV? What's on TV? Um, <laughs> what is on TV? Uh, I'm really excited for to get into, because Brennan mentioned this, I'm really excited to get into the new Tales of the City. Uh, on Netflix, uh, Armistead Maupin's continuations with Laura Linney and uh, Olympia Dukakis and many other gay actors, including Bob the Drag Queen. Um, and then I also rewatched Get Out recently with some friends who had oh. never seen it. And this will probably be my third rewatch of Get Out. And it was funny because like that we were they were like we can watch Get Out or we can watch Us, and I was like, oh okay, well I'm here for either of that. So Us wasn't available, so we did Get Out. But then when we were having trouble trying to stream it, I was like, well we there's many other horror. <laughs> Do you want if you want to watch horror? Like there's many <laughs> like, other I'm horror. I'm certified films. now. I exactly, know. <laughs> exactly. I have my degree, I have my certificate right. <laughs> from yeah. uh, my AA. And can you uh, please please give out certificates? <laughs> that would make me so happy. <laughs> it's like this is your certificate. I did, we um, have one somewhere that I made that. for Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and so this, uh, I was like, yeah, do you guys want to watch Hellbent? <laughs> and they were like, uh, what is Hellbent? They saw the trailer. I'm like, no, no, we're not watching that. So we <laughs> so watched were hanging out, out with a group of homophobes. It, well, they were homosexuals, so it was internalized. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Uh, that movie, I mean, it was not a great film. And then we also <laughs> cast Magic. So right before we did that, we did some Magic. How'd that oh, it's like a brujo, bruja. Yes, yeah, so we're little brujas. Brujos. Little, that, <laughs> that, that bro, brojas. Broha, this the brojas. Oh my uh, gosh, can somebody make that show? Yeah. Brojas. It's like, oh my god, they're like we're totally witches. Bro, bro, but bro, Latin, Latinx witches. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So they. Uh, we wa we did some little magic and like you know we I read the tarot, nice, <laughs> which was nice. great. You know I, I I tend to give everyone else good readings, but you know when it comes to me, the universe just loves to read me. Let's just put it that way. But you know, yeah, we did we did some magic and it was great. So it wasn't a good reading for you? Well, no, because it was just like well, you know. It was like, girl, get your life together. <laughs> good God, girl, get a grip. Exactly. It was basically good guy, girl, get a grip. So the wow. five Gs. But yeah. You got to get off the scruff and you got to... <laughs> and get on a man. And like... <laughs> oh boy. It's like, go out and talk to people in the bar, right? <laughs> oh, 
That's, is that what it said? No, but it was. But I hate doing that, Joshua. Oh, no, oh I know everybody does. Oh, yeah, God, it's I so funny. That. Our culture has changed so much. You know, I wonder, um, Tiffany, as a as a cisgendered woman, <laughs> right? A cisgendered. I mean, is that? But is woman. that true? Actually, I because I, I really don't know. I haven't talked to any of my like heterosexual friends about this. You know, but like you I, have I, heterosexual friends. I, I have a couple. Oh, yeah. okay. hello in the room. Um, <laughs> oh, that's true. Don't yeah. talk about me like Aww. I'm not here. But, you know, because for gay culture, like, dating has really changed. Like, I have friends that, like, talk about that. It's like, you know, especially older friends, and I just mean older than me, you know, like, people in their 40s, 50s, you know, who are like, yeah, you can't just go and expect to talk to people anymore. Like, if I go out for a night, if I go by myself, it used to be maybe in the 80s, 90s, like, you'd meet people and talk and hang out and have a couple of drinks and then go back home and do whatever. You know, you, there was a whole... You know, social element. And in the now, 60s and 70s, you wouldn't talk to anybody. You would just give each other glances and then go jerk off each other in the theater. right. Yeah, you right tap, before the police came, tap on the doors and stuff. That's yeah, but but the point is, is that da- j- d- dating has really changed. You know, so yeah. so now you go to the bar and everybody's on their phones hanging out. You know, mm. like d- d- very solo. So it's it's not like a meeting place anymore. And I'm wondering, is that like true? I mean, I don't know how much dating you're doing. I, <laughs> sorry to put you on blast, but I'm wondering if you think it's changed. You like, seem lonely, so. If those sorts of things that, you know, I mean, if you've noticed in your life. I have never picked up men in a bar. Like, that's uncomfortable for me. Like, I need context when I meet people. And okay. I need a mutual friend. I need an introduction. I need to know you're not a serial killer. Like, there's no way for me to know that if you just come up to me in a bar. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's just, that's okay. not happening. There's an, that's fair. There's an entire, there are entire subgenres of horror that you do not want to watch thank you yes yeah. thank you <laughs> because, for the warning you know that's <laughs> it's like how well do you know a stranger and but the thing is too is that like i so on the on the opposite side of that is like you know i frequent these apps and things and i find that sometimes the most honest conversation i will have had with a person that week will be like some rando that i've met on an app because like my, in my mind, it's like, well, if you know, if you're about to like engage in a very sexual act with somebody, and you <laughs> a uh, very sexual <laughs> versus yes. a minorly the, sexual just, act. yeah versus <laughs> a minorly sexual act, if you're about to there engage, are degrees obviously <laughs> exactly or else on the scale, um, and you can't be like entirely honest with them or yourself. Like, what are you doing then? Even if it's just entirely. You know, where where it can get hollow is that it's the transactional nature of it. So it's just like, oh, I've shown up and like, you know, there's this kind of banal conversation right before we get to everything. And then, you know, there's intimacy, quote unquote, but it's not really rooted in anything, which is why I'm like, oh, I try to speed that up by also being like super honest about like my life and you know situations and stuff. I mean, I didn't go, I don't give anyone my social security number, but it's definitely like you're trying to build connection where there is none. So I feel like one way to do that is just be honest. It's like those questions in the New York times, like to fall in love with anyone. Yes. The 36 questions. I just asked them as we're like (laughs) clothes are flying off. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Like what's, what's different about meeting people online than meeting people in a bar. Like you still have like the same, you know, zero context for them so well, I guess, you know, maybe it's like cultural. I, I guess, it's like the apps now take all of that out. So you could just send somebody messages to say, I want to, you know, have sex with you. So you come over and we have sex or I go over and we have sex and that's it, you know? So there's no, there's no building of like a relationship or like, or just, yeah, if you're not interested in that, if you're not interested in hookup culture, it's really hard to meet people, I guess is kind of the point. Cause like the, for, yes, for queer I people. I think that's where, that's where the discussion varies because yeah, yeah I, I 
that's yes. Yeah. So I, you know, but I don't. But I'm just wondering if that's had an effect. That's my elaborate explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just curious. Like, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe I could go out and read some articles or something and see. But I'm curious if it's affecting um, straight people like it is queer people. At least from the people I've heard, where it's like oh, I'm not really into hooking up. But, but the apps may I think make that really difficult because if you are somebody that's on there like oh looking for dating, I don't think people take you seriously. You looking know? for relationships, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, you're like know, oh, you yeah. know, it's like oh, what are you doing here? Like go out to the bar and meet people. But it's like well, I can't because everybody's on the apps yeah. <laughs> waiting for right. just hooking up rather than a relationship. Although I feel like there's some cities where it is very um, transactional. Relationship building is very transactional. So I know a lot of friends in New York who go on like Match.com just because they're like, okay, I've made this much money. I'm ready to find my significant other and have some kids. So let's get on there and like, you know, put that criteria in and, and meet that person. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people do use online dating for relationship building too. Yeah. So yeah, you're. I mean, I, I'm just generally, I guess, talking yeah. about it. But yeah, I mean, and I would assume. With, and then with like apps too, like apps are also, um, apps are also very, like there's a certain level of privilege with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to another podcast where they were mm-hmm. talking about this specifically where like if you're a queer person that lives in like a fairly rural area or not a big city, like those apps are kind of like just a lifeline for you to know that there's like other gay people around you, whether that next gay person is 50 to 100 to 200 miles away. It's just like, you know that some, you know that they exist and they're there. You're not alone. Um, you're not alone. Wow, yeah, but, but then you have have like you know and, and that's why it's like it's easy for us who are in a larger metropolitan area to kind of complain about the the hollowness of apps when like people who are living in areas where there's not that many people but right. like they are like starving for it so yeah. there's a certain like it's Provides also some kinda, sort of connection exactly yeah. so it's kind of like unpacking that privilege too because like for me it's like i when i'm on it it's like i'm definitely looking for ve- i'm definitely looking for something very specific but it's really hard to express so but it, but I'm open to anything, and more often than not, because I'm open to anything, most people tend to mean that I'm just only looking for sex, which is not true. Mm. But at the because it's like I don't want to close myself off to possibility. But at the same time, like you know, uh, as like a fat queer man, I'm not a fat brown queer man. I'm also not going to turn away any chance for someone to uh, someone that appreciates my body to also like express their appreciation because I, because I'm living and existing in a culture that's telling me that my body is wrong. So, Mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's also a really, really great point, especially for people, like you said, when just knowing that there are other people around, you know, other possibilities. That's yeah. That's a very, that's a very good point. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue for like against the apps, you know, like getting rid of them. I'm just curious about the, you know, the way they have changed our cultures. Um, Anyways, that was that was, <laughs> that was an interesting tangent. digression there. Uh, I watched the um, I watched the Nosferatu, the AMC. Did you like just it? Just to you know jump into you know something horror related, uh, <laughs> besides the horrors of modern uh, dating. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it in the sense that I've decided I need to just kind of toss the book out. You know, like I just have to let go of oh, like okay. the book being, you know, like it's one thing, which I mean, I get, I, I do that anyways with lots of stuff. Cause most things that get adapted from books have nothing to do with the subject matter or the source material. Uh, but I think if you hadn't read the books and or just watch or hadn't read the book and are just watching the, the shows, the episodes, uh, you would really enjoy it. You know, oh, okay. I, I think people would like the the series okay. without having read it. Good, because I'm not going to read the book. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Because <laughs> um, you don't read. Yes, yeah. I don't read. You should listen to Kate Mulgrew read it then. Listen oh, to the Kate audiobook. Kate Mulgrew love. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. And I really like her reading of it. And and Joe is a big fan of hers. Joe Hill, yes. not Joe Yu. Oh, yes. Uh, the author of the of the book. And so she's read a couple First of things. First name basis, yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I have that like tendency. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? I was talking about somebody the other day. Oh, Guillermo del Toro. And I was like, well, you know, when Guillermo, Guillermo. like we're friends <laughs> or something. But it's because you. I just assume that that's who they know I'm talking about rather than... How many Guillermos do you know? Right, you know. <laughs> maybe I should do just last names or something like del Toro. Uh, but anyways, um, I yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, I'm, I'm curious how it's all going to sort of come together. I guess AMC put it out on their app you can watch the whole thing, but I'm like, I'm not going to pay for another, <laughs> for another app. Well, so if you have I'll just cable, wait. You should be able to access the app for free. Right. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. Okay. You know what? I think there are some like HBO go and things like that. But, um, by the time we get the cable bill, it's like gone so fast, you know, yeah. like it just comes through. Everything's like automated. So I don't have any idea what any of our like information is to get the go. I could like just not be lazy and get it. I'm sure. But then again, I what really don't want to just sit and binge it. I, I'm, I'm coming around to this thing of like, for a while, it was great. It was awesome to get a whole show and just freaking power through it, watch the whole thing. But then I realized like, well, what happened? Or like, you know, a month later, you know, thinking about it, I couldn't remember what happened, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I actually kind of miss getting just the little bites at a time. Oh, I, so. so speaking of that specifically, that's exactly what I'm doing with the new season of Black Mirror. Oh, okay. So I, I've not, uh, there's only three episodes this season, and I think that's probably because we got um, Bandersnatch um, yeah, yeah, yeah. as the their movie earlier. So with this season, I'm like taking it, I'm like doing like one episode a week, and it's actually been a much better experience because I'm able to just really enjoy it and yeah. then get to give myself a week to decompress and maybe detox from technology. And but it's it, this season, I'm two episodes in right now, and and it's actually very good. So yeah. I'm almost done. Um, but it's it's very. I mean, it's exactly what I expect from Black Mirror. So you know, it's it's uh, creepy and unsettling in the ways that like are exactly the way it's supposed to be unsettling. It's not, you know, at some points it seems like it could get really heavy handed with the like, this is an obvious commentary on X. Right. But they're the way that they do their twists or the way that they do, you know, certain things, it just kind of helps, uh, helps uh, take those out. I actually think you would really like the, the this season of Black Mirror, Tiffany. How scary is it? I mean, it's. I not, don't watch the scary ones. It's a, it's I only very watch much the good ones. It's very <laughs> nice not ones. much. Um, <laughs> it's not so much a. Th- they're not really horror or or like super violent, but it's definitely like thriller. Okay. So it's not. It, yeah. Maybe it's, I'll come over and watch it with you guys. Yeah, perhaps you might have to because they're really, they're definitely really fun. Um, the first one is just this huge. Um, it's not even horror. It's just this huge mind fuck of this, like trying to figure out and, you know, playing with all these different things. But yeah, season, season, this new season of black mirror is really good. So that was like, I know I wanted to talk about something on the show and that's it. So (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And yeah, I, I agree. I think taking it, you know, just one episode at a time, it's just, it's nice, you know, and to, so you can kind of think about it and mull it over mm-hmm. and, you know, because we've been, uh, I've been talking about on the last few episodes, we've been watching Game of Thrones, which we never watched. So mm-hmm. we just started, we're about halfway through the fourth season. I think actually more than half. I think we're in the seventh or eighth episode. Um, but we like binged watched a lot 
you know, like where we watched three or four episodes a night, you know, for like a week and it was just a lot. So now I'm like, okay, after Joffrey died, spoiler alert, I took (laughs) like like a week off. I'm like six years ago. (laughs) I was so happy. I was just like, Oh gosh, I'm so excited. This like 14 year old kid is dead. Um, I'm going to just take a week off. I didn't watch any more of it because I just wanted to savor that, you know, because mm. I knew more horror would happen. And it is. It's a horrible show, like terrible there's things a lot happen of constantly. Yeah, I'm constantly, why am I watching this but stupid fucking show? there's also a lot of plot twists that you miss if you burn through it too quickly. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like that, that happened to me. And I was like, wait, well, who's that guy? What was his name? Yeah. I don't remember. Everything is blurring together. Yeah. yeah. I, so uh, it's been nice to, to do that, to watch it. I have the the feather in my cap and simultaneous chip on my shoulder. Oh God, you've never watched Game of Thrones. Oh no, I love Game of Thrones, but I have the, I have the, (laughs) the, uh, the, you know, the feather of, um, I know everybody's name. Oh God, that's really, (laughs) because I took this, but I took this really insane Buzzfeed quiz. I was like, who's that in Game of Thrones? And then you would have, you like, they showed you a picture and it was, who's this? And then you would, and I'm like, I got it a hundred percent because I was like, there were people in the final episode. I was like, have we seen them before? I don't remember that person. Why is he even talking? Like, yeah, there's a lot. They survived. We don't even remember them. (laughs) Uh, I'm enjoying the meme that's floating around. I haven't gotten there yet. I know it's in the sixth season. I do. I am spoiled for some of the big stuff in Game of Thrones just because my friends who love Game of Thrones, right. you know, it's on. It's, be, it's, yeah. it's on, you know, it's, social it's media. been around for like 10 and years. I, so I had never intended to really watch it. So I didn't really care, you know, so it doesn't matter. And, and even though I'm watching, I still don't care about spoilers or not. But I love the, um, you know, the straight pride thing that's going on with Boston uh-huh. and all. Mm-hmm. And there's like... Um, there's like a meme going around with like Cersei like drinking her wine at the window and it's like, oh, we're going to have them all in the same place. And I know that she, oh God. she like blows this place <laughs> oh up. God. And I saw that meme going around. I'm like, that's amusing. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying. We do I not encourage it, violence. I found it very funny. <laughs> it's like, I don't see the problem. They're all going to be in one place. <laughs> They're neo-Nazis and white supremacists. So uh. my, my favorite joke that I saw uh, right now online is um, it's a meme with Sam, Sam Tarly. And it, um, it says, how do you, um, uh, it was something about the Lannisters and how like, you know, uh, the Lannisters beds. And it's like, well, yeah, they push, uh, they put two twins together to make a King. Oh boy. <laughs> hey yo. That's, hey yo. That's amusing. That's amusing. <laughs> Incest, Incest jokes. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, straight pride. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I just don't even know. That's what another show. I think, yeah. Well, I mean, just no. Just <laughs> right. no. Just, just no. no. Just no. Uh, good. That's a, then that's all we'll say about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the other exciting thing that happened this week, finally, is there was the uh, release of the Slasher app, which yes. we talked to Damon at, um, uh, at Monster Mania. Mania. And it's finally out, right? Yes, look at that. We, we have our slasher, we have our slasher app, which is uh, this cool horror app. It's it's it mixes a lot of things. It's like horror news, social media. I was surprised by the dating thing. I'm really excited for the dating thing. Yeah, I mean, if you want, do you want to date someone who is on an app called the Slasher app? 
No. <laughs> I don't. We, considering that what we just Call talked back. about. Um, I mean, also, like, I might, I don't know if you Is can Is it like a registry? Because that yes, might be helpful. It's a registry. Uh, well, I will say, I don't, you know, it's not like the other hookup apps because it's spelled full out slasher instead of S-L-A-S-H-R backwards. Oh, yes, you that's know? right. Because then you would know it was a sex app. <laughs> And you would know. What's like like Grinder, Growler, Tinder? Oh no, is Tinder written all out? Tinder is is written all out. Okay, because I don't know. I've never been on. Can someone just write me a love letter? I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Can we just? Can I just go back to the Jane Austen days of you? Well, not one of the guys from Slasher. It's like I love your hair. (laughs) I want to weave it into a sweater. No. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You just ruined love letter writing. Um. Yeah, that's this yes. is the world we're living in now, Tiffany. Okay, you gotta <laughs> Tiffany. To I, I too, I too uh, would love an epistolary romance. Yes, oh. an epistolary romance, yeah. an epistolomance. Yes. Anyways, point is that the Slasher app is finally out. I'm really excited for Damon for launching this. Uh, it's a really cool tool. It's got like great news right on the on the um, main page. There's a calendar to find various horror events, which is great for us because, you know, when you're doing this kind of podcast, like we want to go out to cons, we want to meet fans, and there are so many. And so to have a place where they're kind of all, hopefully, you know, as more and more people are um, working in the app and using it, they'll add events. And so we'll find like small stuff, big stuff, you know, all kinds of different um, uh, events. So I'm really excited for it to be out. So I did just want to take a a second to congratulate him. Have you explored it? I've not explored it um, because because I just haven't. Because there's a lot of reading in it. No, I'm kidding. There's, I just haven't yet. But um, I imagine that you know, it's it's he's adding updates all the time, and it's only going to get better. Uh, you, he also is talking a lot about like there potentially being like um, like a place where you can also find horror podcasts, which is really great. So mm-hmm. you know, that's also nice for us to connect with other people, and you know, because we have several friends on the east, um, our creepy friends. So it's it would be nice to have. Uh, to have it all in one place. And I think that's the beauty of this app is that it's all in one place um, wherever you can as a way to uh, connect people. So. Yeah, there is. There's a podcast section and there's like yeah. people like chatting nice. and, um, you know, I think it's very cool. So I, I congrats uh, to Damon for building this. I, I hope it's successful. Um, and uh, I hope that it uh, connects lots of, lots of horror enthusiasts. And uh, enthusiasts, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll use it and hopefully continue to build our following. Uh, which I guess I'll take a moment to say thanks for listening. <laughs> yes. Listen, rate, subscribe, uh, tip us. We love money, <laughs> so we could go to po- uh, podcast thing cons podcast. Podcasting. So we can go to podcasts. Yes. Uh, so we can go to other cons and uh, and do other cool, fun, fun freight school field trip adventure things. <laughs> Um, anything else? What What are you reading? Anything good? Uh, just rereading, uh, slouching towards Bethlehem. I know, right? Just all of my Joan <laughs> it's Didion like a once, over a and once over a, over a year, again. you know, trek. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm excited to get Elizabeth Gilbert's new book today. I'm going to an event with her. City of Girls is coming out. Um, but that's not neither horror nor uh, frightening. So um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um. But I am. I just binged. Uh, the f- speaking of not wanting to binge, I just binged the first three episodes of *Handmaid's Tale*, which came out the season three of that. Oh, speaking that's of, horrifying! Speaking of horror, they put three episodes out. 
Uh, no, I think they were released them like weekly, but I just, oh. by the time I got to it, there was already three. So, oh gosh, I didn't realize there was that many. Oh, all right. I feel like with people, they, they either appreciate the fact that it's not bingeable or they do it in bursts with mm-hmm. handmaid's. Yeah. They just like wait and then, yeah. 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 I can only watch it one episode at a time. It just makes me so mad. It's so yeah. stomach churning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. But, um, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing where this episode, the season goes. Um, I was, I was pleased by the arc of last season considering it departed from the book you know after season one so i'm right i'm excited to see where this goes i think yeah well atwood is on the um production she's, she's like executive producer, producer. Yeah. yeah yeah so i think she's able to help kind of guide it a little bit yeah but it's also very on the nose as far as commenting on the current uh you know rhetoric of the country and uh divisiveness of the country so they're not even really trying to hide that anymore so it's interesting just to right. just to watch yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. I like it so far, you know. And you, you can't get enough of like uh, Elizabeth Moss staring vengefully into the camera. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Anne Dowd, you know. And- I mean, oh, there. I mean, it's an amazing, and the cinematography is gorgeous, and they're really leaning into that this this season. So, yeah. What's the um, the woman who plays the commander's wife? Uh, Oh yeah, she's beautiful. Or Serena something. She's Serena. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But her real name's Stravinas. Right. Yes. Exactly. Whatever it is, I love her character too. Yes. So she's very uh, layered and complicated, which I really appreciate. Because I haven't watched it yet, just because we've been doing Game of Thrones, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I just you know, I'm gonna let Handmaid's Tale build up a little bit before I lie there for a minute. Yeah. Before before I dive into it, because last last season was, I mean, it was a trek. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it's great television. It's very stressful. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's tough to watch. So it is. Uh, but you're happy with the. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, yeah, right. it's interesting. So okay, well, yeah. see, and I think I it, I kind of count it as horror just because it's oh, so. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's very horrifying sure. to watch, yes. and you know, kind of you know makes it very tangible the world that uh, could exist. Yes, <laughs> if we're not careful, yes. we're not vigilant. Yes, right, vigilant. Constant, constant, constant vigilance. vigilance. <laughs> uh, alrighty. Well, um, I think that's it for now for news and all. So we're going to take a real uh, quick break and we're going to be back to uh, chat some more with Tiffany. Do you like pins? I love pins. Do you love gay shit? I love gay shit. Do you love horror? I now love horror, thanks to the show and thanks to you. Then you are going to love Stephen McDermott's incredible Monster Boys collection. It marries all of those wonderful things together with an irreverent sense of humor and awesome art, sexy as fuck, uh deliciousness very delectable very juicy very not for maybe not for the children but for the legendary children yes yes for the legendary children. for the legendary children. there's a lot of penises yes and asses and you know uh, various various things um and you know what no uh no queer horror con outfit is uh um, is fully equipped unless it has a Stephen McDermott Monster Boys pin, to be quite honest, you know, in my personal humble opinion. I agree. And so right now, if you go to stephenmcdermott.com and use the code FRIGHTSCHOOL2K19, you get three bucks off of each of his new Monster Boys packs. They're blind bags, but every single one is a winner. They're all incredible. You want to check them out and you want to jump on this deal quick because it expires on June 29th. 
So you want to move fast. Yes. And this is volume four of the Monster Boys. The first three volumes, volume one is might still be a little bit available. Uh, but this one is for the new volume, volume four, which is Camping, Camping Cryptids. Not Camping, Camping yeah, that's Cryptids, uh, which is basically cryptozoological monsters that have been given a playful pinup twist. So we have Asquatch, uh, Chupacabro, the Cockness Monster, the Homo Mothman, and then a special fifth one that I may or may not have gotten that I will not even say to you because you need to go and get yourself one. That's um, right, with code Fright School. 2K. 2K I was going to say, yeah, something else. <laughs> <laughs> Fright School 2K19. Uh, three bucks off. Incredible artist. Follow him at Stephen Draw on Instagram and then Stephen McDermott, M C D E R M O T T dot com for all of his amazing artwork. It's hilarious and sexy, like I said, and wonderful. And you can right now listen to this uh, show. You get your own private discount code. Yeah, get and it's exclusive only for Fright School listeners and let me tell you if you get one, please make sure to tag us on Instagram, tag Steven, let him know that we sent you and uh, we will see you at the cons with your beautiful flair. Yes. Yes. All right, welcome back. So, I'm very excited that we have Tiffany here with us today. Uh, we've discussed Tiffany in the past Ooh. on the uh, podcast because you guys she... were talking about me? We were. We sure were. <laughs> uh, because you are the author of the awesome book, uh, Creepy Little Death Poems. Aw. Yes. Look at you, got your copy right there. I do. I have my autographed <laughs> copy, which I, I still, I love it. It's like, to Joshua, who makes the darkness glamorous. Oh, um, it's so true. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to bring you on, obviously, because, you know, we watched a movie together and we'll get to that um, next week discussion. But uh, I thought it'd be fun just to get on and kind of talk, you know, a little bit about uh, the poems and, you know, just your your life, your, your, your theatrical working person. <laughs> Your aversion to horror. My total aversion to horror, yes. <laughs> Despite the fact that I wrote a book called Creepy Little Death Poems. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm still going to ask you the usual questions that we ask because I'm curious to have them, you know, answered from somebody who is not a big time horror fan. So I'm curious, you know, why you think we make horror. Because it has a long history, you know, even in theater and before, you know, with oral traditions. So sure, I'm curious, yeah, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on horror? I mean, I think there's the typical sort of social repression, uh, opportunity to express things, especially coming from the theater world. There's an opportunity to experience and express um, things that aren't accepted in normal society and polite society. Um, I think it's an opportunity for people to um, explore the the spectrum of humanity and human emotions um, and to also understand uh, motivations, like why people do horrible things, why people, um, what motivates people to, um, to sort of go to those dark places. And uh, I think especially through the entertainment industry, books and, and movies and film, it's it's a way to explore that. It's a way to um, appreciate that. It's a way to uh, experience it yourself, even if you don't tend to have those sort of motivations. Um, you know, 
just like with like human sexuality, I think there's a spectrum for everyone. So even if you don't consider yourself a violent person or, or someone capable of X, Y, and Z, you know, there's probably still a little part of everyone that when pushed to the brink, you know, who knows what's going to happen when the zombie apocalypse, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right? we're all going to be doing things we never thought we'd do, you know, like look at the people who survived plane crashes and things like that, who are pushed, you know, to the extremes. So, um, there's gotta be a little bit of familiarity in it, uh, for everyone. So, I think, yeah, it's probably just a, a balance, a balance for, for humanity to sort of figure that, figure that out and, and lean into that. I don't know, but that's just no, what I, I learned like from listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. The tangibility of, of, you know, of the experience. And I like what you were saying with motivations. Like, you know, I guess that, that makes sense. Like people who ex- might experience something horrific and then they seek, I mean, obviously a lot of the movies we've talked about, that is kind of what you know, we talk about at the base, you know, you grow up, you're, you know, as an artist, you know, whatever it is, you make film, you make music, you you paint, you draw, whatever your experiences influence your artistic perspective and perception. And so I kind of like that, you know, if you're creating horror to, to better understand it, the reality of it in the real world, you know, or if you're, if you're creating uh, to understand motivations of evil or of desperation, I, I, I think that's a great, um, analysis. Yeah. I, you know, and I think in order to really understand it, you kind of have to lean into it and figure out what it is. Like you can't, um, just be afraid of it or try to deny it or push it under, you know, bottle it up or whatever. It's, uh, I think it's important to lean into it and explore it. And, um, I know when I was, um, writing the book, you know, there's a lot about me that people perceive as like, Oh, she's so sweet. She's so nice. She's so bubbly, you know? Mm-hmm. And while my book does involve baking cookies and Christmas lights. Uh, I do think that there's a part of me that we just really wanted to like lean into the darkness a little bit. Like, uh, you know, it's not all flowers and roses and, you know, like what if we just really sort of unpack those, those darker places. And, um, it's a lot more palatable, I think too, for people, um, a lot more relatable because everyone, whether they acknowledge it or not, has those shadow places of their own, you know, psyche that exists, whether or not they want to lean into it yeah yeah absolutely so the book um again that's creepy little death poems uh, which you can get on amazon right or at your local or independent local. bookstore I was, yeah i was gonna get there but you know just in case people in <laughs> case it's not you know in um in the in, in a uh, a little bookshop in iowa or something you know, yes in Poc- I, my, my my go-to is pocatello idaho right right uh, in case it's not available there at uh, the books are us um or whatever <laughs> it is um you know, it can be bought on, on Amazon. Um, so it started you, uh, so April is national poetry writing month, yes, right? Yes. Napo, Rimo, or whatever. Naripo. Yeah, whatever it is. Naripo. Um, and so it's now homo. is what it is. Right. Now, homo. <laughs> uh, a lot of us, uh, try to do the challenge. It's difficult. It is it's hard so to, hard. you know, to write yeah, a, a poem really every, every day of the month. I, I mean, it's a fun challenge, especially as a songwriter, you know, to try to, um, to see something that I think is 
worthy to write a little something about every single day. I do, I do enjoy the challenge of, of doing the, uh, of doing the poems. I, I don't think I've ever finished a whole month, uh, which is, I mean, it's kind of sad, it's but it's because it, yeah. it is, it's hard. It's like, you know, especially you wake up on a bad day. It's like, fuck poems. I'm not writing anything. And so it's like, well, I could have just written that as a, I mean, you know what I mean? Like been we my had, haiku. yeah, we had friends who would just write a haiku of like, I oh, got nothing to say. Here's a poem, whatever. <laughs> Five, six, seven. Fuck like, all of the poems. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do not want to write to day end anymore. Bye. There you go. That's your haiku. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, so that's where the, originally that's where these, the poems originated was like you were writing. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, was okay so the the origin story of the poems is um i was going through a really rough time you know as we do um but for the first time it was really coupled with a very deep depression and um i and it was actually um one of uh i think it was an eat pray love here's my elizabeth gilbert shout out um she has a a small section in that book where she talks about um depression and loneliness and she she names them as like characters that come to visit her and I thought this was such a powerful image and when I was moving through this depression and trying to do some writing because I'm a writer and trying to work on projects and finding that I couldn't um, I decided instead to start um, giving my darkness a name and a character and having conversations with it so it's sort of like instead of trying to write the you know novel or whatever I was working working on I started just writing about what was in front of me what I was actually experiencing and as an actor we do this too right so like if you can't get into a character it's like the best thing to do is just acknowledge where you are as a person so um so yeah this was my uh sort of launching pad for this uh for this book was I all of a sudden my depression appeared to me as the uh it was technically the ghost of Christmas future from the Muppet Christmas Carol Fair, yes. <laughs> you know, this big sort of grim reaper, um, uh, just larger than life um, uh, character. And for me, it was um, putting him in these situations of uh, normal, everyday, like mundane things. So having coffee, baking cookies, you know, just kind of following me around and and participating in these activities. But uh, the the just the the humor of having this larger than life character trying to like handle teaspoons while making cookies just brought me so much joy that it would literally lift me out of my depression. So when April came around and it just kind of coincided with, with me starting to write these poems, it was my opportunity to sort of like really lean into that and like, um, try to explore that theme as much as I could. So, yeah. So that's, then they ended up in a book. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I like that. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, people can read them different ways. I remember when you first started po- posting them, um, you know, I just because of the type of person I am where I'm sort of death positive in the sense of like, um, you know, I've talked about this in the past. It's like we do need a better relationship with death, you know, as a culture, as individuals, you know, like with our own mortality, um, we need to have, you know, better conversations around it you know so I was kind of taking it as you know reading reading them every day like it's I thought it was brilliant because I'm like you know it's such a truth of our life you know every day you know we get up as a person knowing that one day we're not going to anymore 
you know, yes, and, and, and we continue to live and to do things. And I love that you have that take on it too, because I think everyone sort of reads the poems in different ways. And yeah. um, just like for me, my depression was something I was living with that was a companion that was constantly there. And for you, like the the presence of death and mortality plays that same role. And I think they're very intertwined. You know, a lot of people, you know, going through depression have, you know, suicidal ideation mm -hmm. and, and, and that is a very present, very real, um, conversation that people are having, whether it's explicitly or internally. So, um, yeah, I think it's all, it's all tied in for sure. Yeah, for sure. no, absolutely. So I just love that, you know, that you were kind of putting it out there. I'm curious, you know, did people reach out and go, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> My mom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but the thing is like, I think if a person is creating art and is sort of, um, producing uh work or journaling or songwriting or you know i think that's one testament to sort of like the health the mental health mm -hmm. um of a person because at least there's some sort of expression going on there's some sort of conversation going on versus just bottling it up and not um you know talking about it and just kind of letting it fester so um that was my sort of explanation for everything's fine everything's fine nothing to see here <laughs> let me just figure this out yeah. yeah. It's like, no, I'm just, you know, the Grim Reaper comes over and bakes cookies yeah, with me. It's, totally, and it's helping totally, me hang up my Christmas lights. <laughs> totally normal. Totally yeah. Normal. And no, and I, I absolutely think that um, because within that context, and I know you've gone out and you've done talks on the book and you've done readings and, you know, so you've been able to engage people with, you know, conversations around mental health and the struggles of depression. And, you know, like you said, suicidal, you know, thoughts get kind of twisted up in there, you know, so of course death does become like a constant companion because it's so you know it's like it's so present it's like well you know it, it's you know it's a way to engage you know yeah. that, that conversation and so I think it's I recommend it to people you know who I think are depressed you know or are you know struggling because I'm like it's it's brilliant just you know the way that you're able to it's not I, I not make light but just it's it's a re it's a it's a reality, you know, and lots of people struggle, and this was one way for somebody to, yeah, to deal, of, yeah, <laughs> sort of walk, sort of navigate it and walk yeah. through it, and um, and everyone has their own way of doing that, and um, but I I definitely would encourage anyone who's you know artistically you know minded or creative or anything to definitely leverage that because it can be a source of of connection uh, to your own self to the world. Um, but yeah, and, and the more, uh, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. But the more I started <laughs> having conversations with death, um, the more I began to understand this character I had created as someone very much appreciative of life and trying right. to figure out life. And it's really this balance, you know, it's always this balance between life and death and, and, um, you know, like you're saying, like we're constantly aware of our own mortality and does that make us um, appreciate life more and live life more fully? And what does it mean to, um, you know, be haunted by this darkness and, and how does that balance, you know, the way we live our life? So yeah. it's a constant dance, which I think is something that was surprising to me that I discovered as I was writing the poems. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in a in a previous podcast, uh, the Untitled Friendship Project, my very first shout one, out. shout out. <laughs> um, people can find it if they want to, if they want to learn more about 
um, mm-hmm. learn about you. But in that previous podcast, one thing that I really latched on to is the fact that, you know, you were talking about, you talked about how um, through most of human history, the way that we've dealt with the unknown is by naming it. So, you know, we name, we name certain things and then by naming it, by giving it, uh, by, pers- by anthropomorphizing it, by personifying it, we give it, um, we're able to exert a certain amount of control over it. So, you know, in, um, especially in a situation where, you know, you are experienced, where you're dealing with like a depression or you're dealing with, um, things that are beyond your control to, ha- to name it, um, explicitly as death. Um, gives it a certain amount of power because you you can understand its limitations and you can understand things and that's kind of why like that's kind of you know to kind of bring it into the whole the bigger concept of you know horror I feel like you know with we make horror um, because we're able to name it we're able to see the limits of human cruelty and human um, and um, the ability for us to be uh, terrible beings to other people, but we're able to name it and see how we can move through it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it brings it from this sort of vague, overwhelming, you know, talking about depression, like uh, feeling that's, that's like all consuming into something that you can actually deal with. Like it's right in front of you, you name it and you, you take away it's, it's power to overwhelm. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. That actually makes me appreciate horror movies more. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, well, again, because like we, I had that, we did that interview way before um, Joshua and I had this was ever an idea in either of our heads. Mm. Yeah. But that's Absolutely. kind of how I've been able to do fright school mm. because that's great. Yeah. It's I'm able to like oh okay well because you you know, you can adopt a Buddhist mentality where it's like, you know, all life is, uh, all life is, uh, all life is suffering or all, you know, everything is impermanent, the impermanence of time. And eventually this will pass, you know, movies have to end, um, as a, as a way to do that kind of stuff or like, you know, just a way like to, Oh, you know, I, I don't think that people can survive this scenario. Well, you know, in a horror film, either everybody dies, um, or only one person is left and, you know, you were able to see what it would take to, you know, survive a, a terrible thing. Absolutely. Um, so Oof. to kind of move on to sort of, the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's great. You know, that's an awesome analysis. Horror movies as instruction manuals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so what is the uh, current state of Creepy Little Death Poem projects? Yes, well. <laughs> if, if you can talk a little bit, you know. <laughs> I scoop. <can>. Yes, scoop. <laughs> um, my dear friend, Jonathan Hammond, who is an award-winning filmmaker and is just killing it here in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. killing it. I'm actually going to the Emmys on uh, Saturday in Vegas where he's nominated for a film, for an Emmy for his short film, Isabel. Oh, I know. So, so excited. Very Which excited. such a fantastic, you know. So I beautiful. love your, because you're in that, your yeah, little, your, part, yeah. no, but you <laughs> steal like every scene you're in almost. I mean, Carlo's awesome too. I mean, it's gr- it's a great balance the between the two of you. Incredible. Uh, but yeah. yeah, you're, because you don't really even talk. I really don't. Yeah, but you're just doing 
stuff that's it's just hysterical like you're just that perfect like completely checked out like employee <laughs> like, Jonathan's just, like can you just show up for a couple of days I'm like yeah sure whatever yeah it was <laughs> what do you want me to do oh, brilliant okay. but overall the I- Isabella is fantastic no, so if you're listening to this film. and you can find it and get access to watching uh, to watch that it's, it yes. it's a brilliant short but uh, anyway so go ahead yeah so um, Jonathan and uh, his writing partner Ryan Roach approached me about adapting creepy death poems into a film so um, they came up with a screenplay and the three of us have been uh, working on it together and uh, we just entered a, a competition the women making a scene so hopefully we can get some funding for it but um, yeah we're really excited and he's you know Jonathan's dialogue is very witty and snappy and I think it's going to be a really great combination of sort of we call it a metaphysical screwball comedy because you know being friends with death is you know, has occupational hazards. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do have to admit that I kind of, I, I already knew that because I sat in on the first uh, reading and yes. it was fantastic. <laughs> and so I, I hope that I get uh, opportunity in the future to be part of it in some way because uh, I really enjoyed the first reading. I mean, I'm sure it'll go through changes and, you know, as, as, as things do. But it, I mean, I laughed out loud. You it's, know, it's yeah, really funny. Yeah, they yeah. did a very good job, I thought, of keeping the spirit. You know, oh, they good. have to figure out a way to inject a little Christmas, you know, because that's More so you. Christmas. Christmas is like, Christmas. when I think of Christmas, I think of Tiffany anymore because <laughs> you, you are, you're like, you know, you still, you send Christmas cards and yeah. you're very like into letters, the, epistles. Yeah. The it's holiday important. spirit. So that was the only thing when, when we saw it, I was like, well, it needs a little Christmas, More but otherwise Christmas. it's perfect. <laughs> I'll just be in charge of the soundtrack. It'll be all Christmas carols. Right. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, we still have to write our Dark Christmas Carol. I know, we yes. have to. Yes, yes. Um, I, I would enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in the film. It'll be great. We, right. we, need to do a, like a, we need to do like a Christmas horror movie with you. Oh, God, that might ruin it forever. <laughs> <laughs> or it could, because we talk about it a lot on the show where, you know, like the ultimate, like, if you talk about horror is a transgressive art, right? So if you take a time of year, an entire like season that is supposed to be warm and comforting mm-hmm. and ter- put it in a horror film, oh, it's the ultimate transgression. Cause you thought you were safe this entire time. But yeah. when that, when like in actuality, you know, people still die at Christmas people, you know, there's terrible life goes on and right. Life right. Exists, regardless of, regardless yeah. of it. So terrible things still happen. Terrible even things still happen. Everyone's warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <Right>. Whatever. <laughs> Gifts and lights, but you know, well, we will. You know, we're going to ease you into it. This is not like we're not going to give you an accelerated fright school course. We'll do like I appreciate you'll that. be in remediation for a while. Well, so. have you seen things like Gremlins? Uh, I walked out of Gremlins when I was <gasps> okay, very small, and watching it in the movie theater because it was too scary. Okay, well, there you go. So you've seen a little bit. So of there's Christmas the threshold, horror. right? But I loved Aliens. You love Aliens? The, oh, the yes, sequel, the yeah. Second one, yeah. yeah. What's a, it's like an action film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> That's okay. Lots of people did. You're not alone in that. Um, I too enjoy Aliens. It's like the uh, one horror scary movie that I'm like, yeah, I could get behind that one. Yeah. Well, and again, like you know, I, I think lots of people like that movie because I don't, I, I think of it more of as an action film and less of like a horror okay, film. Okay, maybe that's why. You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not, that might not be true for you and people might be listening to this right now like, no, I love it because it's scary. But I've just, you know, it's like guns in the military and it's very... I think you aliens know. in space are much more palatable to me than like serial killers or ghosts. Right. Like, like a serial killer Santa Claus? Like that doesn't oh, do anything <laughs> She's not here for that. No. Um, so speaking of other, uh, you know, of your career in the theater. Yes. Um, you are, uh, have you done any of the horror shows? 
Have you ever worked on like Little Shop of Horrors or Sweeney Todd or Rocky Horror? I have not, although I do have a lot of appreciation for them. So I think this leans into sort of like exploring the darkness of creativity. Like Sweeney Todd is one of my favorites, like Cabaret, like the ones that kind of lean into a little bit of darkness. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate those. And I think I love that contrast of like musical theater is supposed to be this sort of happy, jolly, you know, like golden place. And uh, the composers that have sort of taken that and it's like a transgression, you know, you take it and you sort of turn it around and you make it um, this exploration of darkness. I think that's awesome. So I do appreciate those uh, those musicals a lot. Um, I've done a lot of Shakespeare, which mm-hmm. has very tragic, bloody um Things Tragic that bloody happen. ends, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that would probably be the extent as far as the ones I've acted in. So like Romeo and Juliet, like lots of blood in Romeo and Juliet. Um, you Titus? Did, you did I haven't Mac- done Beth, Titus, didn't but you? I did yeah. Mac, yes. Yeah. Lots of blood, lots of intestines in Mac. Right. <laughs> lots of spells, witchcraft, you know. I feel it's okay to say, we're not in a theater, so we can say Macbeth. You know, I just, yeah. I felt worried. like Joe, yeah, got yeah. worried, you know. I mean, you know, the Scottish play. The Scottish play. Mac, you know. Mac, Mac. Yeah. 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 There's gonna, is that not already a movie? Somebody's gonna make that movie one day. It's Mac. Know? Mac. And just then Mac. it's like, it's, it's the like story the of teenage. Macbeth, but it's set in high school, yeah, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh. <laughs> they did that with um, Othello. About you. Yeah, O yeah. or whatever. They did O yeah. with um, Mackay Pfeiffer and I think Julia, Julia Stiles. Yeah. And Josh Hartnett as Iago. Oh, <laughs> right. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, Shakespeare is such like perfect uh, ground for developing for high school, I guess, you know, for movies like, you know, because what is it? Ten Things, Ten I, things hate about I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, she's the one. Is uh, Twelfth Night. Right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in, no, not Twelfth Night. It was Midsummer Night's Dream. You were in Midsummer? I did that in high school. Yeah. I what was Oberon play? and Theseus. Yeah, you were. I played. You were we the fairy king. did a lot of dual roles. Yeah. So, that's, a t- that's a common double. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So me and Titania played like both of Hippolyta the, the, and yeah Hippolyta yeah. and yeah um, yeah it was a lot of fun I enjoyed I enjoyed it those are that's a good part too Everyone's it was really like cool really... too and it was actually you know it's so funny it's like um, everybody who does like Shakespeare always like changes the setting you know mm-hmm. and do, you know what I mean so does different things do? so uh, in high school the drama teacher whatever <laughs> I, I don't know what to not a drama she wasn't a drama teacher she was an English substitute who ran the drama gotcha. stuff so she did the place total like raging hippie nice and so like she said it in like a hippie commune kind of thing and oh, so like the it. fairies but this was the stuff she told us that wasn't really in the school but she's like it's kind of like the fairies are like a like an acid dream. Oh, I love it. They're you like know? hallucinations. And so it was really fun because she did all like, um, you know, so they're all in very hippie stuff. Like those, um, what are those sweaters, you know, that you put like on the, that. The macrame oh, like the, or like. like yeah, Mexican, exactly. That are kind of like, like that with the strong, bold patterns yeah. on them. And, the, you know, bell bottomy kind of things. And, you know, it was like, like they were all very hippie-ish. And then all the fairies were like Hindu, you know, so we had all these like flowy fabrics and jewels on our faces and, you know, kind of very um, fairy, but you know, it was like a weird mix. But it was really it was neat. Very fey. Yeah, it, well, it was really. It, the costumes were were beautiful, but because I was playing Theseus Nobar, who looked very different. <laughs> like I think Theseus, I like. Sorry, I had like a dashiki kind of thing on and like a hat to cut because my hair. This is Ohio, folks. Right, it was. Yeah, <laughs> my hair had been put up into all these because at the time I had shorter hair, so I had all these like mini ponytails. 
Okay. So we had to like push all that up and under a, into a hat. Oh boy. You know, so I wore a hat and that is, and then I'd have to rip all that off in the wings as like these six girls were like helping like redress me and putting oh jewels all over my face. And <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that I could come back out as Oberon. <laughs> this like, is a, I love this. We learned to do the poi. Like have you, you know, the, um, have you ever seen yes, the yes. fire poi yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Like we learned to do that for the show. It was, oh it gosh. was really fun. It's one of my favorite, um, um, memories awesome. of high school. I would have watched that. Yeah. And then Definitely. going afterwards to her house and watching the um, Waiting for Guffman for the first time. Yes. Yeah, I was like 17, 18. It was so cool. You're like, was like, oh my God, I get this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, they also took uh, Midsummer and turned that into a teen comedy. It was a teen comedy with Kirsten Dunst and Cisco called Get Over It. Where they're really? at, yeah, it has Martin Short as a drama teacher who is basically adapting his musical version of Midsummer, but it's a play within a play because what's actually happening is mid the events of Midsummer are being told. Shane West is in uh, it. Like it's very So it's like a play within a play within a play within kind a play. of thing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's amazing. Um what are you working on any other uh, writing right now? What are you working on? Um, not right now. We're just, uh, we're just focused on the, the screenplay for creepy death. So that's like the main writing thing right now. But, um, um, yeah, but I'm hoping to have, uh, some more time to do some, some long form writing projects. I, I feel a novel. I feel a book, like a long book in my soul. So I think that's going to have to come out sometime. I like that. You mentioned earlier you had been working, so you have some ideas you, you have like that you were working on before you started working on the poems. Um, I don't know. Earlier, you just mentioned like one said the novel I was working on. I, you know. Oh, when I was doing, yeah, I'm always. I mean, there's always like there's always a ton of things. Yes, for <laughs> that sure. makes sense I'm when like, you're a writer. Specifically, I don't know. I have 18 Hallmark movies in my head that <laughs> are set at Christmas time. Shocker! Oh, look at that! No way! <laughs> you know what? I have looked into it, and it is an industry. And it you, is an industry. And you could. We actually, um, we, there is a, he's a, a filmmaker and writer-director, Michael Verratti. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Um, he has, he actually writes a lot of um, Hallmark Christmas movies. Nice, um, nice. I'll, I'll mention some off-air to you to see if you've seen them. Job, yeah. But he is also like this, pre, he's like one of the, the best voices right now in terms of like queerness and horror specifically. So he's a huge horror hound as well. And then he also writes Hallmark Christmas movies. But he's movies. like, has written like a ton of these Christmas I movies. I love this guy already. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's he's, he's fantastic. Come to the, come on the show, Michael. Come on the show. Right. Hey. Joe's trying to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let me just mention him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, I, I, I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a this is a question that we always ask for. Um, we always ask of like our more uh, versed horror fans or horror guests. But, so me clearly. But do you happen to remember a time when you were in a movie theater and sat through a horror film? Has that ever happened, or have you, or have you just never? Has that never happened. Uh, <laughs> I did see Blair Witch Project in the theaters. And I, yeah, yeah, I saw it in the theaters, Very and cool. I couldn't sleep for a week after that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I was pretty much traumatized. Um, but no, I kind of avoid them. I pretty much avoid them. Um, every once in a while, like if it, you know, um, if it's something that might be good with a group, you know, I'll I'll go. But rarely yeah. in the theater, I feel too trapped. Um, I know I'm a wimp. I'm a wimp. No, See, it's it's all right. I would challenge you. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I would uh, challenge you that 
maybe not think of it as you're trapped, but as that you are experiencing it with a group. Right. And like you're, yeah. you're, you're, it's a collective journey that you're on. Yes. Because I find that I can, like, I can really do, like, I always saw it the remake in theaters okay. and I yeah. loved being with other people experiencing it all in this, like a huge crowd. We saw get out when it was like opening yeah. weekend. And it, I thought that just added to my enjoyment of the film even more. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, I mean, I'm not saying go and do that right now, but like, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I think it's just, I don't, I, Maybe it's just walking around as an empathetic person in the world, but like I take the images like way too seriously, or yeah. I, I, they just yeah. affect me so much. Yeah. Like you don't need like a two story screen <laughs> showing right. you like, exactly, yeah. or I just watch it like through my fingers for a lot of it, like just you know, like just to keep you know, I don't know, but I, yeah, I'll I'll try it. Will you go with me, Joe? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you should come with us to see the what is it, Midsummer. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. There is this. It's it takes place in a Scandinavian country, I think. Yes, yeah, is it's Swedish. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, it, I think it's Swedish, but it's this. It's a new film that's coming out this summer. It's called Midsummer. Oh, okay. And it's about these students who are going to this like um, old like pagan Midsummer festival. Oh, interesting. And hilarity ensues. Right. <laughs> hilarity. Definitely. You don't see the air quotes, everyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Peele called it very terrifying. So. Oh, sh- oh shit. He did? <laughs> yeah. He said it. Um, oh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, then but it's that. Going to yeah. It's, it's mostly final. white people, so I'm sure that right. it is yeah. very terrifying. Yeah. But, <laughs> but he said, yeah, the the final act was, uh, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll go with you. That yeah. You should. Re- I think it's going to be maybe an Entertainment Weekly or something that you did like an interview. You know, sorry, so, Joshua knows which Entertainment I, Weekly is something I do read. Yeah, but I got rid of my like my subscription to because it just I have t- too much, and we get it at work, and so I can read it there. But I have not seen um, the Melissa Etheridge Pride cover come through. So if you get that one, I didn't I get need that it. one. Oh, I got the Wilson Cruz. I'm sorry, so somebody. I got to find a copy of the, of yeah, the Melissa do. Etheridge one. Yeah, because she's going to be here at Pride, and it'd be fun to get her to oh, autograph it. So, amazing. anyways, uh, well. Tiffany, we're so glad that you came on today to chat with us and, and to talk. The book is uh, Creepy Little Death Poems. Um, it's fantastic. And you're fantastic. Oh, you guys are fantastic. <laughs> and where can people find you if yeah, you want them yeah, to? Yeah, if you want them to read your writings or to look for you. <laughs> like online? Online, yes. I'm not w- at this very moment, but not like <laughs> not physically, not at a physical place. This is my address. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I do have a website, TiffanyAnnAnnTang.com. It's under construction right now, but it should be... Uh, up and ready to go pretty soon. So, yeah, that's a good one. And cool. Instagram. Sure. <laughs> T-Tang. T-E-E-E. Tang. Yeah. In case I want to see your 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 uh, writings and your travels. You do lots of cool travels. Uh, so, all right. Well, we thank you so much for listening. And uh, we will be back next week with Miss Tiffany Tang to Woo. discuss uh, the Norwegian horror film Dead Snow. We Dead made her sit Snow. down for an hour and a half. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. It's okay. Yes. We had treats and cats. So, so. Uh, stay tuned for, for the second half of that uh, conversation. And uh, thank you so much, as usual, for listening. Uh, good night, Joe. Good night, Joshua. Good night, everyone. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California.